you can go ahead and take a seat if you haven't yet. And I am uh, Pastor Ben, if you do not know. And I'm an associate pastor here at The Dwelling Place. And I'm going to be delivering today's message. And so we've been going through a series this summer uh, called from the book by J. Richard Foster. Uh, and it's, um, the book is The Celebration of Discipline. And so how that works is, you know, what, what that book is all about is just about the spiritual disciplines and how to apply them to our lives and how we can grow in our understanding of God and how we can grow spiritually, how we can move forward in being like Christ through the practice of these disciplines. And the way that Foster has them divided and the way that we've been preaching is that he first talked about the inward disciplines and that's what we did back in June, and so the inward disciplines are the one thing that we do, and no one else really ever see, would necessarily ever see them. They might see the results of them, but they don't see us doing them. And so those disciplines are meditation, prayer, fasting, study, and those are the ones, you know, the, the, the inward disciplines. You know what, we do them, and, but we do them in the morning. We do them when we're by ourselves, it's never shown that we're doing them, people to see the results. And then, he, and then, during the month of July, we've been talking about the outward disciplines. And so these are the ones that, as we do them, people see us doing them because they are outward, and they also see the results. So how the, this, and what these were, were simplicity, just, you know what, we, choose to live as a spiritual discipline to live a simple life. We choose to be reliant on God. We choose that, hey, we do not need to be chained to all the possessions of this world. It's not saying that we can't have new things or have nice things, but we're disconnecting our dependence on them and being our dependence on God. Then we have submission. And, you know, that's an outward discipline because people are going to see, hey, you are choosing to submit to authority. You are choosing to submit to those around you. And then we have the discipline of service. And, you know, you are choosing to serve those around you. You are choosing to be a servant like Christ. And then we have the discipline of, have the discipline of solitude. And that is, you know, you are restoring yourself for a time. So, you know, people don't see your solitude, but they don't see you. That's why they're not with discipline, because it's, it shows up. People start to notice that. And it's, I'm going to withdraw myself from the world for a time so that I can, so that God can deal with me and be, be with me alone, one-on-one. -on -one. And today, we're going to be starting uh, learning about the corporate disciplines, so, you know, the inward disciplines, people don't see, see us doing the discipline, but they see the results. The outward disciplines, people see us doing the discipline and see the results. This one, we do the discipline with people and they see the results. And today we are talking about confession. Goody. Yeah. Confession. You know, admitting you're wrong, 
changing the path, changing the course, you know, hey, the ABC of salvation, admit, admit that you're a believer, or admit that you're a sinner, so confess that you're a sinner, admit, believe in Jesus Christ, and then confess that he is Lord. There's a lot of confession that need, that's supposed to go along with Christianity. And, you know, Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine, you know, he said, confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. If you want to start changing something about you, you got to admit, you got to change. You know, if you want to be in shape, you got to admit, I'm out of shape. Because if you think you're fine the way you are, you getting up 30 minutes earlier in a day is just not going to happen to exercise. If you think the way you eat is just fine, ordering that salad instead of that burger is just not going to happen. You got to confess they're the problem. And, you know, confession, you know, you know, today I'm going to talk a lot about confession, and I'm going to talk about confessing, you know, sins. But also, you know, in, in the discipline of confession, it's not, you know, it's it's confessing sins, but it's also confessing the faults of. I just don't think I'm good enough. It's confessing, you know, it might not be confessing. Two years ago, when or when I was two, I I took a cookie. You know that that is confession. But it also might be confessing, hey, I struggle with pride. I can't tell you how it manifests, but man, I know it pops up every day. It's confessing your faults. It's confessing how you're not like Christ. And, you know, so in talking about confession, we're going to be uh, reading from the letter of First John. So, you know, First John is written to the church community of Ephesus. And, you know, it's really appropriate that, you know, we're talking about corporate disciplines and we're reading from First John because one of the major themes about John is community. How is a church, the, as a community, supposed to operate? How, how is the church supposed to be a church body? How, how are we all supposed to fit together when we don't like each other? Well, we do, and that's good. So, but how, how do the church work together? How do they operate? And so, First John chapter one, you know, open the book, and you know, it, it begins by introducing the letter, and it establishes the apostle John's authority as, "Hey, I'm the one who saw Jesus. I'm the one who touched him." Who, I, I am the one that I heard him. I know what happened there. I was there with Jesus. I saw this all. I can tell you, you know, what his, his hair color was because I looked at it for three years. I can tell you his eye colors, be, the color of his eyes, because he looked right at me when he said, follow me. You know, John Saint established his authority. And then he also bit God's and then he establishes God 
as holy. He puts God in his place as the one who is holy. And First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, is the text that we're going to be looking at. And here we get a picture of who God is. So First John 1, 5 through 10, and it says, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we, have, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So, you know, first, you know, John establishes, hey, God is light. God's, you know, just light. Ta-da! It's an illustrated sermon. God is light. And, you know, God being described as light, you know, it's that, you know, God reveals, he gives warmth. You know, it's not saying that God is in all light, you know, it's not that, hey, God's God, 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 God. You know, it's not saying wherever light is, God is. It's not saying God's only present when there's light. You know, it's that light is the way that life happens. It's that, you know, light is how life happens and that God is the source of life. And it's that without light, there's no knowledge. And, you know, I've talked about that before, you know, John really, in, in the gospel, he even has this whole t- back and forth about how God is light and the world is in darkness, and when Jesus came, the light came to the world, so it was revealing and it was highlighting and it was showing. God is the one who shows, he's the one who reveals, and it's pure, light's pure, it's, you know, pure light is just white and it shines. And that's what it's saying about God. He's pure. He's, he shines. He reveals. You can't really hide from it. And you know what? You know, and, and darkness isn't that there's less light. Darkness is the absence of light. And you can't say that. And there's not really darkness. It's just absence of light, even. And it says, you know, God is light. And it shows things. It reveals things. And you know what? And when we confess our shortfalls, you know, we're revealing things. We're finally letting the light in to God. And you know, the second half, you know, starts to talk about confession. It establishes, hey, God is light. And then because of this, we need to confess. We need to let the light in. And so, you know what? As we look at this, we're going to see three things that, of what confession does. 
And the first thing is that, you know what, confession breaks the lie. So in verse 6, it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In verse 10 it says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Confession breaks the lie that we have, that we tell ourselves. You know, as the light of God shines on our lives, we begin to reveal, uh, you know, he begins to reveal the areas in our lives that need to be redeemed. You know, you know we build up lies about spots in our area, or spots in our lives. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's not that bad. Well, at least I'm not like that person. I, I know I knew that bad. Or, you know, it's really okay because I'm a Christian, so God forgave me, so it's okay. I, I'm going to get forgiveness. Confession begins to break that lie. You know, it, you know, there's a difference between someone who goes and says, hey, I struggle with this. I struggle with something. I, I struggle with this. I have this short, short, fall, short fall in my life, and I, I struggle with it. And someone who says, you know what, my sin is justified because of, you know, Paul in Romans 6. Have a lot to say about that. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, we died to sin. How can we live it in living it any longer? If you constantly let a part of your life not be surrendered to Christ, if you constantly let a part of your life have sin in it, you are lying to yourself. You know, the, and, and once again, you know, please hear me. There's a big difference between a, I struggle with this. You know, what? I'm honest about it. I know I have this problem, and I'm seeking help. I'm getting, I'm doing, taking steps to get rid of it. It might be a process versus I'm doing this, but you know, it's really okay. Oh, I'm doing this, but I don't need to talk about it because I haven't, because I'm a child of God, even because of it, because he loves me. It's a big difference. You know, and when we admit what we struggle with, you know, we're allowing God's light to shine on that problem and show, show how ugly it really is. When we finally confess about an issue, we're letting the light in so that people can really see it, so that you can see it, so that God can show you how ugly it really is. So, you know, um, you know I, I've talked about this before, but you know, I used to do a lot of stuff with the Royal Rangers, um, boys program, like the Boy Scouts, but it's uh, Christian-based. And one of the things that I did is 
every year I, we would go, I'd go and teach at this camp, and, and there was a whole series of five camps that boys would go to, one, one per year. And so the camp that I would t teach at was survival camp for a long time, and one of the classes that I taught was shelters. And, you know, really there's two ways, and when, when they build a shelter, you know, you, you get the sticks down, you lay some twigs on top, and then you get leaves on there to help, you know, build a good thickness and covering so that rain will slide off. And when you do that, there's really only, there's really two ways you can check to see if your shelter is good. The first way is you can wait till it rains and uh, see where the water comes in. The other way is you can let the light in. You see, you could either, during the day at like high noon, if you had enough light coming in on your shelter, crawl into your shelter and start to look for, look for any patches of light. Because that light's going to reveal, hey, right there the problem, right there the hole. Or if you didn't have that, you could wait till, the, wait till night and put a candle inside your shelter and then go on the outside and see if you could find it. You look for that light, because that light's going to reveal they're the problem. Here's how you need to fix it. You know, as we begin to confess, God, we're allowing God's light in. We're allowing God to show you, hey, right there's the, really the big problem. Yeah, you know what? You're struggling right here, but up here, you got, got that problem too. If you let my light in, I can show you. If you let the light on it, I can be begin to show you, hey, how can you be more like Christ? How can you be more like my son? So you know what? Confession breaks the lie. So don't, don't deceive yourself. And, you know, as we go along our lives, you know, just remember, don't let yourself be deceived. Let God's light in. Let him show you. Be willing to confess so that his light can come in. Be willing to begin to say, yes, there's a problem here. Let that light in. And as you, and as you do, you, you, know, you are going to see some ugliness. But by shining the light on it, you'll begin to, you're seeing the spots that you can begin to fix, that can be fixed. And you're beginning to let God fix you and Begin to let him make you more like Christ. Because, I mean, you know, I have yet to meet a person who has said anything about how Christ is not a good example to follow, whether or not they are Christian. So if you're more like Christ, then that's a good thing. So, you know, confession breaks the lie. Confession also starts the purification. It begins to cleanse you. It begins, it's the first step of forgiveness. It's the first step of redemption. You know, so verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. 
In verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, trying to hide our sin from God means we're really just hiding ourselves from God. It means we're acting like Adam and Eve. You know, when they, when they broke God's rule, when they bit into the fruit, what they end up doing? They ran off and hid. God said, why? Why are you hiding? Oh, well, we just didn't want you to see us because we realized we were, we're not right. You know, if you're not confessing your sins to God, you're hiding yourself from God. You're breaking relationship with God. You have to let God in if you say if you want a relationship with Him. And you know, it's only when we when we come clean and admit what we've been doing that God can purify us. You know, it, once, once we admit the fault, God, then God goes, okay, I can start working with you then. I can begin to get this out because you finally told me, because you let me shine my light on there. You know, a doctor or, or a dentist, you know, they can't even begin to fix a problem until it's revealed. You know, that, that's why any, of the, any place that the medical profession has so much light you know, one of the reasons, you know, the giant skyscrapers with the massive class windows, one of the reasons that they have those, had those originally was so that they'd be more appealing to dentists because they would allow more natural light in so that they could see better. Or, you know, any medical show that you see, one of the classic lines that the doctor's going to say at some point, you're standing in my light. Once it's revealed, they can start to work on it. But you know they need to see it before they can fix it. You gotta let let it shine, let the light in. And you know God won't begin a process of making you more like Christ until you freely show Him when you're not like Christ. He won't. He won't starts the process of making you more like Christ until you show him where you're not like Christ. Then he's going to start purifying you. He's going to start cleansing you. You know, it's kind of like a... So you might not know this about me. I don't know if I've talked about it with you. And if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, talk to me afterwards. But I really like aquariums and fish. And I have a 55-gallon at home and I, I keep uh, tropical fish. Not necessarily great at it, but I, I, I like to think I'm good. But, you know, a few months ago, I had this problem of, I had an algae bloom outbreak, and I really could, couldn't work anymore on keeping, spend any more time on the aquarium to clean it. So, you know, I, I did some research, and, and I found uh, that, hey, you know, this, this would work. 
Yeah, I'm not going to leave this on for too long because it's actually damaging to all living organisms. But, you know, this is a UV light. And, and what I needed, and what I needed to do with it was simple. Plug it in, and I put it back in, the, in my filter, and I just let the water be exposed to it. Just as the filter brought the water in, the light just shined on it, and it began to kill off. You know, not just the algae that wasn't supposed to be there, but also this will then begin to kill off, hey, any bacteria that's exposed to it, viruses that are exposed to it, parasites that are exposed to it. This little light would kill it all. You know, it might not kill it all in one day, you know, it took me about a month of treatment, but every day I saw an improvement. I saw that the algae stopped growing. It couldn't support itself anymore because it, more of it was dying than it could make. I even noticed, hey, you know what, my fish seem a little healthier. Because you know what, bacteria, anytime I introduce a new fish, really I need to quarantine it, but I just don't have a, I don't have a quarantine tank yet. It's, it's on the list of things that eventually I'm going to get, but I could put it in there and know, hey, eventually any thickness or bacteria that it is brought in with it, it's going to get revealed to this light, and it's going to start to knock it out. It's going to start to cleanse it. You know what? By confessing our sins, we allow God to transform us to be more like Jesus. You know, it's, it's like exposing that sin to God's light. It's allowing it to purify. It's allowing it to be killed. So, you know, confession breaks the lie, and confession starts purification. You know, confession also leaves room for God. It, it, it leaves room for God. So verse 5, it says that, you know, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. And verse 7, it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So, you know, God's light, you know, that, that, that's how he's described here. But that means that if there's darkness, God can't be there in, in that analogy of God being light. If there's an area that we are not confessing, there's an area that we're not letting God in. So when we admit how we are not following God, you know, we are expelling darkness from ourselves, from our lives, and we are making room for God's light. You know, 
hiding part of our hiding part of our lives, hiding something that we do from God, you know, it means we are keeping it in the dark. It means we're not allowing God in that part of our lives. You know, it's kind of like a I have, you know, my light here. And it's, you know, remember the song from Kids Church, This Little Light of Mine? Oh, I won't hide him under a bushel? No? You know, hey, I, I got God in that part of my life, but, but over here, I, no, I'm not, I'm not letting him there. You know, yes, God, your Lord, in, in here. But, but over here, I, I, I'm going to keep that. that. That's mine. It, God, you have everything in the one and a half cube. Or, or you know, I, I'm a better Christian than that. God, you have everything except the one and a half cube. You know, you can't, the biggest uh, uh, pastor that I knew would already say, the biggest contradiction anyone could ever say is, no, Lord. If he is in charge, if you've given him everything, then you need to give him everything. Confession breaks the lie. Confession starts purification. It starts to make you more like Christ. Confession also means you get make room for God. You allow his light into all the parts of your life. You say you want more of God? I say I want more of God. Let the light in. You know, allow God to shine in every part of your life. You know, and if it reveals parts of your life that you don't want to see, you know what? Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and let God remove it out of your life. That's what confession is. Confession is allowing your whole life to become something that you are okay with God seeing all of it. And you know what? Confession, you know, a lot of this has been talking about, you know what, between confession between you and God, but confession is also a corporate discipline. It might mean you have to talk to someone. It might mean there's going to be some tears. You know, there's a reason that dentists will numb the nerve before they start drilling. Yeah, that need, that too, you, you need that cavity removed. Oh, boy, it hurts. 
about a year ago, I was, I was getting a filling redone, and the shot didn't quite work sitting there, and then the, and the dentist was just working, talking with her assistant, and then my whole body just goes tense. Oh, you felt that? Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's going to be painless. But confession breaks the lie that, you know what, it's okay. Because confession begins the process of purifying, begins the process of healing. And confession makes room for God in all parts of your life. And that might, and like I said, you know what, it might mean that you have to talk to someone. It might mean that you're going to have to go up and say, I wronged you. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but I wronged you. It might mean you go up to someone and say, hey, I trust you, and I need your help with this, because I need to be held accountable. You know, you know, it's confession. It's like coming up to the altar. Sometimes you need more than just a spiritual prayer between you and God. You need a physical response to seal the deal. Sometimes, you know what? Just confessing it to God, He might say that's good, but I want you to now go talk to Him, Him, because He's going to help you. He's going to hold you responsible. He's going to hold you accountable, and he's going to give you tools that I've provided. I'm not going to say it's going to be painless. You know, it could be, but it, <laughs> this is why it's a discipline. Because it could hurt. But, the more, but doing it leads to better things. But also in this church, be a people who can allow confessions to happen. You know, I know I know a lot of church people. I've I've grown up in the church. I've worked my entire life in the church. I know plenty of church people that I do not say things to. I know plenty of church people who, when they ask me, how have you been? Good. What's new? Not much. I'm not going to tell them things because I know I can't trust them. Don't be those church people. Allow confession. Because you know what? Being one of those church people probably means that you're living in a lie too. And you need to break that. I'm sorry. But allow confession to happen because with confession comes healing and God and it is a beautiful thing. You know, Richard, For Richard Forster in his book says, confession is difficult, is a difficult discipline for us because we all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. 
We see the church that's supposed to be needing to be perfect, of being saints, and not just being sinners. Anyway, this is a, that's a long problem that the church has had. But the answer is, we're saints and sinners. On this side of heaven, you know, we've been redeemed, and God said that you are my saints now. But also, he says, yeah, you still have these problems. You are still sinners, but that's okay, because this is who I see you as, even though you're still here right now. You've got to begin to see yourself here as, as my saints. Even though you still are sinners, I'm seeing you as saints now. And yeah, there's a tension there, but it's a beautiful tension if you let it, because God will bring in healing if you let it. So be a church who can allow confession. And part of that is begin to confess yourself. You know, as I was thinking about, you know, how, how, how does confession work? And I, I kind of has come down to three parts. First is, you know what? You need to admit it to yourself. You're not perfect. As good as you think you are, it's a speck of dust of, compared to Christ. So you need to admit to yourself you fall short. And then, you, and you also need to admit it to God. Confession begins with God, too. You, you know, this entire text that we're talking about, a lot of this was, you know, talking about confessing between you and God. And, and there was also the church, too. And that was, you know, and it's vitally important. And, you know, John doesn't discount that. And he highlights that too, and he talks about community too, but confessioning it to God is also a big part of it. So admit it to yourself, admit it to God, and then admit it to those who need to know. So you need to confess to those who need to know. So it might be those who you wronged. You need to admit that... I have fallen short. I need your forgiveness. And also, admitting it to those who need, need to know might be, hey, I need help. I need you to help me, help supply me with resources, with tools, or I need you to just keep me accountable. Be a church that allows confession and be a church that confesses. So, and, and as we confess, confess, you know what? Well, and God's light in on the problem. We're allowing God to begin to purify us. We're allowing God to begin to make us more like Jesus. That's what confession is. That's what confession does. So, as we close today, you know, I'm going to ask Pastor Robin to come up, and she'll, she'll play. And, you know, on the table, you're going to see a piece of paper and a pen. Here's the challenge. Confess.
you know, as she plays, you know, talk to God, begin to ask God, where am I falling short? Short. Where am I not measuring up? You know what? It might be a pride. It might not be like a, on Tuesday, December 12th, 1987, it might be a, you're prideful. And everything you do, that pride comes shining through. It might be, you're selfish. And every action that, you ha- that you've taken is motivated by that. It seems like you're doing good, but it's all about self. It might be a specific date and time that, of something that you did. But the challenge is, confess it. Admit it to yourself and admit it to God. So, you know, write it down. That's the challenge. I'm sorry. You know, you got to let it out. You got to let it be exposed to the light. I'm not asking for a name on there. We're not going to go that far. But write it down and, you know, we have a cross here. It's lit up too. Bring it to the light. And, you know, I might, I, that, that's the challenge I'm asking you to do, but God might be asking you to go one step further. Maybe he's saying, you need to hold on to that piece of paper. And instead of giving it to the cross, laying it at the cross, go lay it at someone else. Go lay it before someone else. Because you need to talk to them. As much as you need to talk to God, some confession is a corporate discipline too. And you need to admit to people. You need to seek help from others too. Now, yes, you know what? You don't have to tell, tell the entire church. Maybe, maybe that's what God's asking you. But odds are probably not. But you do need the help of the church. And that's people.